Take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I will confess to you that I've not done much preaching in the book of Ecclesiastes. I haven't understood a great deal of it, frankly. I remember preaching chapter 12 one time, but this message is a little different. If you were to ask me how long it would take to prepare this one, I would say 62 years. This is a life truth. And when I look around and see folks and even faces that I haven't seen in a while, I look back and Doug Wells was sitting in the service. And uh, boy, we miss you, Doug. And you've been so sick and gone through so much. And to see you and Lynn means the world. Sitting there in front of them, two seats, is Fran is sitting right there too. We've thought about you guys and so many more. And so we've been praying. It's so good to see you. In fact, let's thank the Lord together for bringing uh, back our friends, touching them, allowing them to be here in the worship service. But I, I think this truth this morning is going to mean something to you guys. And then, boy, I look back and there was the joiners and the stones and, uh, and so many other loved ones. Uh, Cindy Adams is here. I mean, just God just being good to us to put us together in this moment, in this season. I want to preach for a few minutes on this subject this morning. Seasons of life. Seasons of life. We're, me and Terry, we're about to uh, step into a new season at the end of this month. And uh, people have been asking, boy, are you nervous about it? Or how do you feel about this? Well, we are more excited than I can ever remember, to be honest with you. It's like a, you know, if, if you think right about the seasons, and we're going to find out in this text that every one of us are going through different seasons all the time, and they don't last here under the sun. But there's a vantage point we're going to see this morning as to God's vantage point above the sun and the most important season in preparing for it. But in this moment of our lives as we began to make this journey, God put me in this text. Actually, it happened. I was over at Steve and our son's house, and this was months back, and he was preparing to preach in a series on this, in this book, and I picked up the book sitting by his chair and was just leafing through it one morning before all the rest of the family got up. And the Lord started speaking to me then, but I, I didn't do anything with it until it came time to prepare for this morning a month or so ago, and the Lord started saying, go back over there to Ephesians 3. i got something I want to say to you. And you know, that's the way it works. In the life of the prophet, <clears throat> the Lord would say, why don't you go down to the prophet's house? I want to show you some truths, and then I want you to write about it or speak about it. What I know this morning about you is, you're in a season. You're either in a wonderful season where you're laughing and you're celebrating and you're reaping. Or you're in a hard season where you're weeping and mourning and you're losing. And I, I want to say that God speaks to this very clearly. And I don't know if you've had a person in your life like I have. I've actually had several of them. i got one down in Bladen County right now. But if you have an older man or woman, in your life that's lived and experienced a lot and who love Jesus Christ immensely and they are willing to speak truth into your life, you would do well to slow your roll down a little bit and go and sit down with them more and hear the stories and learn from their experience. Problem is, in this culture, we are so preoccupied with ourselves that we miss out on those opportunities. So God says, I'm going to put something in the scripture for you this morning. 
It's an old preacher. In fact, when he was just a young man, he was given a blank check by God. God said, what do you want? And you know what he asked for? Wisdom. And he experienced so much, including sin and struggle and all that. And then he gets to a point in his life where he can speak out of this and give us some real instruction this morning as to what life is going to be about. Solomon, in this moment, begins to share those things with us. But I want to pray, and, and then I'm going to get through as much of this as I can. As I say, this has been a, an experience walking through my own life and reliving some of those seasons some that were very wonderful and some that were not so great. And uh, I believe God has something to say to us this morning. So can we pray together? And I mean seriously pray that this morning God will speak to us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would draw us in. May we lean in to listen to this wise old man this morning as the Holy Spirit inspired this book. And I pray, God, that you would come and you would speak to the youngest in this room and to the oldest, to the one who is celebrating and laughing and sowing and to the one who's reaping and those who are struggling the most. And God, I ask that you would give us a biblical worldview this morning, a heavenly perspective, and that our lives would be changed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look first of all in chapter 3 and then I'm going to go back and pick up a few things in chapter 1 and chapter 2. But I want you to see in chapter 1, or chapter 3, excuse me, in verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. It's crazy. When you begin to look into a text, the things that God brings to confirm, you're in the right place. There's a few people old enough in this room to remember a group called the Birds. And they would sing the song, uh, To everything. How many of you were thinking about that when I announced my text? Be honest about it. You worldly people, you. Listen to this. Almost verbatim in the text do they give every detail of this. And yet I've never put it all together and paid much attention to it. But did you know that there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven? And every season you're ever going to go through, the one you're in now or the one you've come out of, the one you're going to experience next, has a divine, eternal purpose in your life. You may not like it. Sometimes you will not like it. But God is speaking an eternal truth in your life. By the way, sometimes you're going to love it. And God created it for you to enjoy. Some of the good seasons, He's saying enjoy that. He is a God who joys in watching you enjoy the good seasons in your life. And even the ones you don't think are good, God is molding you and making them for good. I think he said that somewhere in his Bible about Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. But I want you to see, number one, first of all, the mystery of the seasons of life. Verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. And if you underline your Bibles, underline those three words, under the heaven. And then I want you to turn back with me to chapter 1, and I want us to listen to the counsel of this old man. By the way, a young person couldn't speak these things. They will not have experienced them. God is using the foolishness and the wisdom of Solomon to say some life-changing truth to us this morning. I want you to listen to what he says. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of... He opens with this. 
Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. You think he wants to get a point across? All is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he hath taken under the sun? There's those words again if you want to underline. Under the sun. Vanity of vanity. I looked that up. In the Bible here, it's speaking of things that are meaningless, pointless. In other words, you bring your greatest accomplishment and you're so excited about it. You finally got to that retirement place in your bank account. You know what the preacher says about it? You know what God says about it? Vanity. Meaningless. You bought that property that you always wanted? Nothing. <laughs> now, that's not to mean God's not wanting you to enjoy it, but as far as having any eternal value, it doesn't. You knocked that grand slam, and everybody was so happy and proud. It's wonderful, but they're going to forget that in just a short period. In fact, you're going to forget it. He says that in the text. Every great accomplishment, everything you can imagine that you always dreamed of. Have y'all found out this? When you were in that season and you were longing for this, this apple <laughs> that you were reaching for, and it was going to be the thing that was going to mean the most to you, like in the garden, in you, you just want, and you when you read, you remember when you got it? I remember when the church bought me my very first uh, brand new automobile. I'd never owned a brand new automobile, never had a nearly new automobile. When I came here, I had an old car that I paid $200 for. Literally, I've been very blessed through the years with the congregation who loved me. And I, I remember Pastor Cameron, and they're loving you too. I saw what you're riding in out there. I did, I did notice that. Don't think I, you, you're not slipping by, and it's bigger than mine too, just for the record. And I don't appreciate it. But I, I remember, I'm teasing about that. I'm thrilled about it. But I, here's what. I remember it was a red Ford, no, red Mercury Sable. Y'all remember this? I was so proud of it. I remember one mean thing that happened. Though it really was just a true story. There was a woman in the church that was giving me a fit during this time. She was letting me have it on lots of levels. And she, she always carried a great big Bible. Great big Bible. I had stuff full of bulletins and all this kind of stuff. And I had just gotten my first. That's when they first came out with those key fobs. And you remember you had little things on it, unlock, lock, and trunk, and then had that one with the, with the horn. And I remember standing inside the glass doors in the chapel waiting for her to come walking up. I'm not saying it was spiritual. It was, it was mean. But I waited till she got almost in front of that car where she'd get the full benefit, and I hit that button in my pocket. And that Bible went up in the air, and those leaflets went everywhere. It's still one of the joys of my life, just to be honest with you. Every now and then people need, you know, the Bible does say you reap what you sow. You know. True story. But I remember after I got that car, I was so proud and so happy. I, the Lord had blessed me and blessed His church, provided me this to ride in. I remember that new car smell, but after just a few weeks, you know what I was thinking? This ride's good, but it don't ride any better than that yellow caravan I had I mean really you know what I'm talking about nothing you ever will attain in this life or that it's even given to you or whatever else are you work for will you sit around every day and just think these things are not to worship you're not looking for them for gain and in these seasons they're going to come some are going to come one direction and some are going to come the other direction let me tell you what what I see in this text it's this Solomon, the old preacher, is saying, I want to help you know how to live your life now under the sun. Let me give you some instruction on what to do with your life, some suggestion on how to live your life under the sun. Watch this. In light of the day, 
when you're going to live above the sun with God forever in the greatest season you're ever going to have. Let me, would you be interested to know what wisdom has to say on these matters? You know, if you're looking to these moments in your life to bring you ultimate satisfaction, I have news for you. And the old people in this room would affirm it. They're not going to bring that kind of satisfaction. No matter what you have, it won't bring it. I remember thinking if we ever got to 150, Pastor Cameron, if we ever reached 200, man, oh man, that would be wonderful. If the Lord ever gave us, and then when we ever got it, we wanted 100 more. And if we ever got to there, Lord, let us reach 100 more. I mean, you, you know, obviously, it's just, it's like a vapor, trying to grab the vapor. But the mysteries we see here in the text, let me stay with me just for a minute. Look down to verse, uh, verse 9. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Did you know what you're enjoying? Somebody else enjoy Or you've enjoyed before. There's this cycle that goes through life. We're going to see the details of it in a minute. Nothing new. Look at verse 11. And here's... <laughs> Here's what's really sad about it. There's no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come hereafter. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2 and verse 16, he said, they're not going to remember you. He said there's no remembrance of the wise man more uh, than the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. <laughs> you know, I honestly, and I, this is a true story, I didn't know the name of my great-grandfather, if you would ask me, two years ago. I'm embarrassed by that. But I was doing some research online and found William D. D-E-E Wagner. And I was up near Surrey County preaching around Yadkinville and found the cemetery, me and Terry, and we found the grave where my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother are in. You know what's happened? Through the years, they stopped telling those stories. My parents stopped telling them. Their parents stopped telling them. And then they were forgotten. No matter, I don't know what all he accomplished. I don't know every season he lived in his life. If you think you're going to provide some legacy for your family in this, according to Solomon and the Spirit of God, that's not, this life is not forever. All your seasons. And by the way, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because in a minute when we get to the other seasons, the hard ones don't last forever either. If you're mourning right now, and some of in our fellowship are mourning. Pastor was commenting about this the other day. There's so many people grieving in our church that have sent loved ones to heaven. Hey, good news for you. This season won't last forever. No. There's an encouragement for you. But if you're rejoicing and you're having the best time of your life and everything's going so wonderful and you can't imagine, sorry, that's not going to last forever either. You're under the sun right now. And when you look at this life in the perspective of the next, it begins to take on a whole new perspective. <clears throat> Notice uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, I said in my heart, look at what Solomon did, go to now, or go to it. I will prove thee with myrrh. With myrrh. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said to myself, go after everything you can go after. Self, Solomon said to himself, you have all the pleasure you have all the women, you have all the wives, you have all the money. Look at what he said. And then I said of laughter, it's mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainted my heart with wisdom. 
yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and lay hold on folly until I might see what was good for the sons of men. Surely I'll be happy. Surely I'll be content. Look at this. And the Bible says, which they should do, there's that phrase again, under the heaven, all the days of their life. <clears throat> and then he gets into the real, boy, I, I hear people with it, using this language all the time. I, me, and my. We call them people that have eye trouble. They love themselves a lot. Oh, Solomon, look at what he said. I made me. He wanted to make sure we got here. He was in this thing. It was all about him. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I, paint, I planted me vineyards. And notice who he's doing it for. Always for him. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them all, of, uh, in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water wherewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and handmaids and had servants born in my house. I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of sons of men and musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was the biggest and the best. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me and Whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not for them. I got, I got everything I wanted. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was the portion of my labor for a time. Then I looked, look at verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I labored to do, and behold, say it with me, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit, there it is again, under the sun. You see that occurring again and again. Look at verse 17. Therefore, he said, chapter 2, 17, I hated life. <laughs> you think that was God's plan? It wasn't. Was that his perspective? No, he put him here to enjoy some things but not to worship them. He said, I hate life because the work that is wrought for me under the sun, there it is again, is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Hey, Solomon, we get it. You think things are meaningless. You, you think they're pointless. Okay. Do you understand that? Do we all understand it? Yet I hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun. Look at why I hated it. Because I should leave it to unto the man that shall be after me. And how do I know if he's going to be a fool or not? I, I don't, I, the reason I'm, missed, I'm frustrated about it is because I don't want to leave it. Somebody else enjoy it. Some fool enjoy it. Look at what he said. Latter part of verse uh, 19, I've labored wherein I've, I have showed myself wise under the sun. Verse 22, for what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun? Look at verse 24. This is where things begin to change. There is nothing. Now he said, but even though I hated life and I have a wrong perspective, there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoyed good in his labor. And here's why. Look at this. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Now wait a minute. What changed? All of these things that he had meant nothing to him until he got a hold of the principle that it wasn't what was under the sun that was important, but who was above the sun that was important. And when he got God as his perspective, he began to see. And he got a glimpse of it. That I'm, God's given me all this to enjoy because a, He is good. Because He loves me. 
Do you see that? If I make a God out of these things, it's idolatry. If I worship God in the blessing of these things and the gift of these things and I leverage those things for Him and for His glory, let me give you a little example. Do you all know i got a motor home. It's a 1990 model. Robin and Glenn and them boys, they, they hooked me up way back there over in, uh, at Strickland's Crossroads. I've done some tweaking on it, but everything works on it. Cleaned it all up. Put me some Amos put me some new striping on it. Oh, I, I, I'm getting ready. Me and Michael's gonna uh, we're gonna wash and wax it this year. Hand wax that whole thing. I don't know how we'll do it. He says we can do it. We're doing it. Here's what I want you to know, though. That don't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. So this morning, somebody came up and told me of an opportunity during the week of camp for the for the kids at CEF. They need it. So guess what? I don't own that. That don't belong just to me. I do enjoy it, and I like it a lot. But it was easy for me to say, I'm not going anywhere that week. We'll just pull it up there, and y'all can use it during that week. Do you see my point? There was a day in my life I wouldn't have seen that for God. See, now I can leverage that thing for God. I believe it'll run smoother when I get it back because I've let him use it, you see. It changes the whole perspective. Number one, the mystery I think I've said enough about this. The mystery, well, no, no, I haven't. I wrote down two or three things to say. All right, here's, here's what I want to say to you and me. One day, you're a child, and then you, you're a teenager just like that. Some of you are there right now. And I hate to tell you this, but in a short time, that season is going to turn, and you're going to be working every day, and your youngins are going to be complaining to you while you complain to them, young people. Those seasons are going to come and go, and you, they're going to be joyful seasons and not so joyful seasons. There's going to be a day when a baby's born, and the next day there's a car accident. The next day you're sending someone to heaven, and the next day uh, you're, you're going to a great job, and the day after that you get a pink slip. And then it seems that just the changes in the seasons, do you see it? There's a mystery in all this. One day you're celebrating a scholarship, and the next day you're planting a garden with your kids, and the day after that you're packing their car to head to college. I'm telling you, this mystery is God is teaching us in this moment something that, a mysterious hidden truth that these seasons we're in have an eternal purpose and God is using them for His glory. Everything is constantly changing. Listen to this. You're not in control. Boy, I like being in control. And I'm looking at some of you and I know about you. You like being in control too. That's an issue with some of us, isn't it? If you don't believe it when a season comes that you don't get or understand, it's quite a frustration. Let me move secondly to the second thing, beginning in verse 2 of chapter 3. I want you to see secondly that not only do we see the mystery of the seasons of life, number two, I want you to see the many types of the seasons of life. Now see which ones of these you've been in already and maybe identify the one you're in right now. There are 28 of them mentioned. Look at verse 2. A time to be born, well, we've all been there, and a time to die. A time to plant. Somebody, how many have put in any garden stuff yet? Raise your hand if you have. I saw Ashley. Ashley has. There's two or three of them. If I ask that question a couple more weeks, Cindy, you have? A bunch of people raise their hand, Pastor. Because there's some big gardens around this church, and we thank God for it. Because on Wednesday night, sometime when they have extra, they bring them, park especially. Bring them in. Yeah. Look at this. Time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Most of us have experienced both of those. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones 
and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow, tear and then sow back together, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in all that wherein he laboreth? The many types, many, many types of seasons. Did you know the season you're in is temporary? I've already said that. But I'm going to say it again. You know what C.S. Lewis said? In these seasons, when you want your one direction and you want something else so badly, here's what he, I, I wrote this quote down. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most po- probable explanation, the most probable, I've already tried it three times, I'm not saying it again, is that I was made for another world. Did you know you weren't made for this world? You were not created for this. This is a simple sojourning place for a short time to get you ready while under the sun for the season that's going to be eternal above the sun. Which means if he gave you good seasons all the time, you would never mature and be developed and be ready for that moment to be in his presence. Many people have wondered what's missing. They're longing for something and they don't really know what it is. It's so frustrating to them. But deep down inside there's something wrong and there's something gone and they don't get what really uh, is going on. I've been thinking about these seasons and the things God's teaching me in them. You know, I, I'm, I have, I'm in a great season of life now. For the record, church, just so you know, We are in a great season in this church. God has seen fit to bring us to a good, healthy place spiritually. God has been speaking truth into our life. We have built this church on the things of God. Now, is there work to be done? You bet there is. Is there some carnality that needs to be erected? Is there some sin that needs to be dealt with? Surely. Are there some homes and families that need God to help them have an eternal perspective? Of course. However, we're in a good season And we could be in a greater season if we'll listen for God, if we'll learn the meaning of life. God has brought us leadership that can move us to a new place, an eternal place, an eternal perspective. But the seasons of this life are not forever. What season you're in now? What season are you in now? And by the way, whatever season it is, God has an eternal purpose in it. It's important. You're important. Your life is important. As a matter of fact, the God in heaven that we worship wants you to get the most of your life, to enjoy your life. And if only you will get the fact that it's Him. You can look everywhere else for contentment, everywhere else for fulfillment, and you'll never find it outside of the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When you come to Him and you build a relationship with Him and you see through the lens of God's Word the seasons of your life as a part under the sun of preparing you for a meaningful eternity in heaven above the sun, when you start getting that, it's amazing the joy and the perspective that begins to come, the many types of uh, seasons. Finally, 
I want to show you the ministry of seasons. What, what kind of ministry, what kind of teaching happens here? What, kind of, what is God saying? And I heard this story this week. And by the way, this whole passage has helped my worldview. If we're not careful, we'll begin to look at things like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard and then I'm going to retire. I'm going to make all I can. Can all I make. Sit on my can. I'm going to live the good life, Pastor. But that, we miss the whole thing. You know, I, this, this text is about a Christian worldview, a God perspective and worldview. And for the record, Solomon was full of despair. There's never been a generation that I, I, I believe that had more depression and anxiety around it and in it than right now in this moment. And in this moment, he, from his despair, is writing to people in despair, primarily to Gentiles, about the gift of enjoying this life while preparing for the next one. <clears throat> but listen to what I heard the story about Empty Mart. You ever heard about Empty Mart? The, the big store, Empty Mart? Empty Mart was where uh, people go, Christians go, because they have a guaranteed. It's called satisfaction guaranteed at Empty Mart. So people run to Empty Mart, lost people and a lot of saved people. And they say, well, I'm, I'm here for my satisfaction. They say, I'm sorry, we don't have satisfaction. Here, well, I don't believe that. You have a guarantee. It says satisfaction. So I'm going to find satisfaction somewhere in this. Take me to the prosperity department. Where's the prosperity department? And so they run to the prosperity department. They see the manager. Hey, I'm looking for, would you help me locate uh, satisfaction? And the prosperity manager says, sorry, we don't stock that in this department. As a matter of fact, I don't think we have it in the whole store. Well, that can't be true. I know better. Because your guarantee says, satisfaction guarantee. So take me to, beyond the prosperity, take me to the sensuality and lust department. I know I'll find it there. So he goes there, I'm looking for satisfaction. And the department manager says, sorry, we don't have satisfaction. We can't offer it from this department. We don't stock it. Uh, in fact, I don't think we have it in the whole store. No, and he goes through like 10 other departments and never finds it. Finally, sets up a bed and just lives there in empty mark. Spends her whole life there. That's where, that's how vain, that's why Solomon says it's vanity of vanity. All is vanity. Every season of life, even the best ones, is meaningless and pointless when you take God out of the picture. But when you put Him on His throne, which is where He's been all the time, He just wants to be on the throne of your life then there's a ministry to us in these seasons where God is beginning to teach us truth that He wants to use in our, in our lives. Listen to this. If you live properly under the sun, the only way to live properly under the sun is, a, is to have a right perspective of above the sun. Everything, you know what, did you notice what he said two or three times? Everything God does will last forever. Everything God does, I read it three times in the text, will last forever. Don't look to these seasons to fulfill you. They won't fulfill you. Don't glory, don't glory in them. Glorify God and then enjoy it. You notice what he said in verse um, 13? Well, let me read all those. Beginning in verse uh, 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Everything. Also he hath set, this one confused me, the world in their heart. And you know I love the King James translation. That word carries the idea of the future world. You could say eternity. 
He hath put eternity in our heart. We long for something more and something different. He said, I gave my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised wherewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He, he's letting us know that. And then look over here to what happens. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 3, look at verse 12. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and do good in his life. Now how in the world can you enjoy these seasons, even the hard ones? When you know God gave them, look across the page. My Bible's right across the page, verse 26 of chapter 2. For God hath given to a man, chapter 2, verse 26. For God hath given to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge, and here it is, and joy. God will give you joy in every season of your life. If you know that that is bringing about His plan and purpose for above the sun. I wrote a couple things down. This is the gospel. I love to get to the gospel in every text. All of this points to God. Did you see it? Like in this passage, you know what Jesus did? He, you know, he said a time to be born, a time to die. Jesus was born. Jesus planted. Jesus wept. Jesus laughed. Jesus died. When he died, we felt that everything we do, when it, it looked like all was lost, life was meaningless, our work was meaningless, he's dead. Then the Father stepped out and breathed these words, and we're about to celebrate this. Arise, my love. The death, the, the grave, no longer has a hold on you. Get up from the grave. And he did. And when he got up, listen to this. What happened in that moment not only gave him life, but gave you life and me life. And in these seasons, he says, I want you to, there's nothing better for you than to enjoy the good Eat and drink. I read somewhere where the eating refers to the bread, that Jesus is the bread. When you're eating, just remind yourself that Jesus is the bread of life. When you're drinking, remind yourself that He is the living water that satisfies your soul. A correct perspective of the seasons of life will cause us to long for that moment when we're going to be in His presence. I noticed about the gifts. Chapter 2, verse 24, the gifts that he gives, they're from his hand. In chapter 3, verse 11, they're beautiful. In chapter 3, verse 13, they're a gift from God. Chapter 3, verse 14, they are eternal. <laughs> Can I ask you, will you live the seasons of your life will you live the seasons of your life under the sun with a divine, eternal perspective for the life you're going to live forever above the sun. Can we lift our eyes above this world and see the God who is seated on his throne, who loves you more than you could ever imagine, so much that he would send Jesus to give his life for you? That's wisdom.
Thank you, old man. Thanks, Solomon. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now what we do with this church will be responsible for. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Are you living your life for right now? Or are you living your life for eternity? You know, I, I can almost hear the hearts of people saying, if I could just do it all over again. I've made so many mistakes. Hey, get in line, man. So have we. So has everybody else sitting near you. Sometimes we've made it all about this moment. We haven't even realized that the blessing is coming from God. Or we got a little bitter because something happened that we didn't really like. And we didn't realize God was using that too. He took God out of the picture. If you're a redeemer, if you're redeemed this morning, if you've been saved, I, I want to ask you to run to God today and say, Lord, please, I want to live the balance of my life living in light of eternity, loving you, enjoying these seasons, yes, but loving you and looking forward to the best season of all the best. This morning you recognize you've never been born again. By that I mean there's conviction in your heart. Yeah, you've chased the world all right because you don't have Jesus. He's not real to you. His word means nothing to you. His church, his people. You can go full days and weeks, hardly ever speak to him. There's no relationship in that life. Come to Jesus. Repent. Believe the gospel. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for the teaching you're doing. God, help us to have a biblical, heavenly worldview that our life might mean something. And all the other is forgotten. The eternal work will be remembered. Have your way in this invitation.